Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Great to be with you on this Wednesday. This is one of those shows, ironically, the second Wednesday in a row where I am not officially live. This is a pre-tape show, so as I always say, when it is a pre-tape show, if there's anything in between the time that I'm recording, which is around 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, three hours before the show airs, if there's anything that's happened between now and the time you're watching me, I'm aware, just not at the time, that you're watching me, if that makes complete sense. I know it definitely does. Uh, but we got a fun show tonight. Again, not a ton to talk about. Obviously, NBA still in All-Star break. But some a segment I do right before the quote-unquote second half of the season starts, and I say that in air quotes because there's about 30 – ish games uh in some cases less than 30 for some teams uh, to go in the season and so it's not really the halfway point but when the teams come back from all-star break i always look at okay we're 50 plus games in trade deadlines pass we pretty much know who these teams are so i'm going to detail eastern conference western conference teams that are really in the picture we're not going to be talking about the 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 you know San Antonio Spurs love Wimby, but the Spurs are irrelevant, or the Washington Wizards, okay, the Detroit Pistons. We're we talking about the real teams in playoff contention, in in uh, you know NBA championship contention. The teams I think are pretenders and contenders, and in both categories, I think I'm going to have some absolute shockers. Uh, there's one in the West I thought about for a long time and decided to make them uh, contenders. I think it will shock you. Uh, that's uh, that's coming up in about. 30 to 35 minutes. Also, Bryson's best 10, my top 10 quarterbacks currently in the National Football League. I did it coming into the season. My top 10 quarterbacks, that's obviously changed. We had a whole 18-week regular season, the month of the playoffs, Super Bowl, all that. Uh, I don't think any shock at who's going to be number one, but as far as the rest, uh, it's you can see a lot of different lists with a lot of different people. So uh, a lot of different people make. So my top 10 quarterbacks currently in the National Football League, I will detail that in about 15 minutes. And uh, I'm actually going to start the show with uh, carving up the context regarding Kevin Durant. So let's go and get started. But first, so Kevin Durant is undoubtedly one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He is a and he is a one-time MVP, four-time scoring champion, two-time regular, or I'm sorry, two-time finals MVP, and, and a two-time finals champion with my Golden State Warriors. He is the most gifted scorer I've ever seen on a basketball court. Uh, he can get to anywhere he wants at his size, at his stature, seven feet tall, is 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 absolutely freakish. We talk about guys, I remember when Kristaps Porzingis was drafted back in 2015, it was like, this guy's a unicorn, we've never seen anything like him. And not that Porzingis was unique, but Kevin Durant truly is a unicorn. A guy his size should not handle the basketball like that, shoot the basketball like that, get whatever shot he wants. Great free throw shooter, really underrated defender as far as I'm concerned, and about as good as they come, right? I heard Draymond Green say years ago, like Kevin Durant's the prototypical 2K player in the NBA. If you had to create a 2K player, it would probably look like Kevin Durant. But for years, a very odd narrative has surrounded around Katie, and it's not untrue. It's not untrue. I'll, I'll explain to you what it is. I just think we give KD a little too much flack for it when we don't give other guys flack, or really better put, we don't give other guys flack, so why should we give KD flack for it? So one of the main um, perpetrators, I guess is the right word to use, one of the main guys who's pushed this has been another all-time great basketball player and all-time great broadcaster, Charles Barkley. He's for years talked about how Kevin Durant is not a great leader. He had a quote years ago that Kevin Durant didn't appreciate where he said KD is not a bus driver. He's, a, he's in the passenger seat. 
And again, I think there's truth to that. Steph was the bus driver in Golden State. Uh, and listen, you could say Russell Westbrook was the bus driver in Oklahoma City, even, even though Kevin Durant was undeniably the better player, and the Thunder clearly made the wrong decision with who they put their investment in. But in Brooklyn, Kyrie was the bus driver. KD wouldn't go to Brooklyn if not for Kyrie Irving. That was KD's kind of, I, I think, weakest moment of his career. Not the move to Golden State. He wanted to win championships. Who doesn't want to win? Uh, who doesn't want to do that? He went to Brooklyn uh, with an enigmatic superstar player who can't stay healthy. So th that was a bad decision for Kevin Durant, no question about it. But here's Charles Barkley on the alternate broadcast on TNT during the All-Star game on Sunday night, talking about Kevin Durant's leadership in terms of how it's going to affect the Phoenix Suns going after a championship season. Uh, this is what Chuck had to say about KD. To me, it's got to be Booker. He's got to be your, your mental leader and your vocal leader to a certain degree. No disrespect to Kevin. Kevin's a follower. He's not a leader. He's proven that on all his stops. Booker's a hell of a player also. I think he's going to have to take the initiative and take this on team to the next level. Okay. So that's Chuck on KD. And he talks about how Booker is the leader of the squad. And it's Chuck's credit. He didn't, I don't think, I don't think he meant it any Ill, Ill will towards Kevin. I really don't. But Chuck has ripped guys in the past. It's like, ah, maybe Chuck went a little too far. Uh, listen, he said no disrespect, and he's talked about this with Kevin for years, not a leader. But I don't necessarily see that, not just in the modern day, but even historically speaking, as this big stain on Kevin Durant. Well, he's not a leader. Let's just talk about today's NBA currently. I look at, to me, off the top of my head, seven guys. Seven guys. Three happen to be with one team, although one's not really in that much of a leadership role. Um, seven guys who I see as those guys are leaders. Absolutely. Steph, LeBron, Jalen Brunson, Chris Paul, Draymond Green. Uh, I also mentioned Jimmy Butler. And I may get flack for this, but I love what I've seen already. Powell Ben Carroll thinks a good leader for the Orlando Magic. I think we'll see that blossom and develop as time goes on. But even if you want to take Ben Caro and put him aside, I I think I like his leadership qualities. We'll we'll put Ben Caro aside if you don't appreciate that, if if you don't agree with that. So that's at least six, max seven. Is Jokic a leader? And by the way, when I say is he a leader, that's not to say well it's he's he's a he's bad in the locker room because he's not a leader. No no no. Is Kawhi Leonard a leader? No, both of Kawhi's championships. Came for his first championship, came on a team that had a ton of veterans. Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Monty Ginobili, a lot of guys pop coaching the squad. But Kawhi's job is to go out there, play awesome defense, get some buckets, and be amazing. And he won finals MVP to his credit for holding LeBron James to 28 points a game. But Kawhi was with a team with a bunch of veterans. And then 2019 with the Raptors, everybody knows Kyle Lowry was the heartbeat and, and, and soul of that Raptors team. To my knowledge, I think the Raptors might have went like 16-4 and four in the 20-odd games that Kawhi Leonard missed in that regular season. Kyle Lowry had, had, had a lot to do with that. A lot of veterans there. Mark Gasol was a Raptor that season, so Kawhi didn't have to lead. But I don't view it as a stain on Kawhi Leonard that he's not a leader. By the way, did I mention Draymond Green amongst leaders? I'm pretty sure I did. Um, I think I did. So, again, look around the NBA. Do we see... I used to kind of see Giannis as a leader, although as of late... You know, not great from what we're seeing from Giannis in, in, in terms from as, uh, from a leadership uh, pers perspective and standpoint. Is Dame a 
leader, you can make the case, but I don't. I wouldn't put him in the same class as a Jimmy Butler or a Jalen Brunson. You look around the league. From there, again, Wemby's really too young to be a leader. Is Jason Tatum a leader? But we don't really give them the flack that we give Kevin Durant. Now, maybe that's because, Kevin, this is the 17th year in the NBA, and some, maybe to my, including myself to a certain degree, although not as much as others, have been waiting. Okay, KD's going to take the reins. KD's squad. KD's squad. That's just not how he's wired. That's a big reason he, he, he was as good of a fit in Golden State as he was. Obviously, we talk about the, the basketball fit, the motion offense, Steve Kerr runs, the small ball. Kevin was a about as seamless as a fit as he could have possibly been. And Kevin Durant, to me, one of the biggest um, components that make him an all-time great is he's one of the few guys you could put in virtually every single system, quote-unquote, in the NBA, and I think he'd flourish. He's an all-time great scorer. He can pass. He's, he's capable of that. He's excellent on defense. Uh, he, he doesn't care to move the basketball, play unselfish basketball. I, I think you could plug Kevin Durant in any system, and he'd work about as well as he could in, in an alternate system. I think he's that great. Um, and, and that his, his game is that transferable if, 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 you, if you were to go that route. But even all time, Kareem wasn't a leader. Oscar was the leader on the, that Bucks team that Kareem won with early in his career. Magic was the leader of the Lakers during the Showtime era of the 80s. Shaq, not really that much of a leader. He had some veterans uh, on those Lakers teams. Kobe Bryant was far more of a in a leadership role than Shaq was, even as young as Kobe Bryant was at that stage of his NBA career. Shaq wasn't the quote-unquote quintessential leader. Wilt, not a leader at all. Certainly not to the level of a Bill Russell back at those times. Wilt wasn't really a leader. Still an all-time great. He's one of the greatest scorers ever, the 100 points. We all know about Wilt Chamberlain, even if most of us didn't get to see him. There's plenty of guys you could throw, go, throw out there. Again, Tim Duncan. You could say lead by example, but we look at those Spurs teams, and from a leadership standpoint, we look at Pop. We look at the Admiral, David Robinson, early or late in his career when Duncan entered the NBA um, in, the, in the middle, late 90s. You think about Tony Parker later on. Manu Ginobili was in more of a leadership role than Tim Duncan was. So I think us holding Kevin Durant, I don't want to say hold him accountable, but but using that as a knock on him is historically um, inconsistent and even currently inconsistent. Jokic, I think, is the best player in basketball. I know a lot of folks share that opinion. We don't view it. Jokic as like, boy, he rallied the guys tonight in Denver. But again, I don't see that as a knock on the guy. He goes out there, gets triple doubles, goes out there, drops 25 to 30, 12 assists, and 9 to 10 rebounds. And is stupid efficient. And he gets other guys involved, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, MPJ, you know, KCP, a lot of guys. It works. Michael Malone's more of the leader of that Denver Nuggets team. You don't I don't think in today's NBA, not as, as much as it was. Um, or previously, maybe you needed more a guy in more of a leadership role, more so than you did today. But even then, again, we don't see most of these guys. Magic and Bird were, um, and they dominated that era, but they also dominated that era because they were the best two players of the decade. With respect to Michael and Dr. J and, and, and guys like that, uh, Magic and Bird ran the 80s. It wasn't just because they were these vocal leaders for their teams. And so, I and I get Kevin Durant, who's pushed back on Charles, who's pushed back on a lot of people, Kevin's flat out said, I'm not a leader. And I think the last thing, we want Kevin Durant to be something that he's not in that regard. And we've done that with other athletes. But 
I think the worst thing you can do to an athlete, to a ve- or t- t- in Kevin's case, an extremely talented human being in his space, and, and the same can be said about a lot of different spaces, the worst thing you can do is try and box someone in to be something that they're not. If I sign Kevin Durant, if I trade for Kevin Durant, my expectation is he's going to drop 30 a night, play good defense, be unselfish, you know, get his teammates involved when the opportunity presents itself and win a lot of basketball games and hopefully a championship. I don't expect you to be the vocal, you know, rally the troops type of guy. I just don't. And I think basketball is a different sport than, and baseball certainly, I mean, we don't talk about leadership hardly at all in baseball. Um, I think both of those are very different from football where, like, this is why I hold quarterbacks to a different standard than almost any position sports. It's kind of a prerequisite to be quarterback because you do have so much on your play as is. I get that. But you're the face of the franchise. In some cases, you're the face of a city. Leadership is kind of a prerequisite in football, particularly at the quarterback position. Or if you're on defense, middle linebacker, or whatever. It's really not in basketball or in baseball. It's just not in it's it's not really in the DNA of of the sport in general. Um so I I think it's Kevin gets a lot of pushback from it. But one of the things I do love about Kevin Durant and why I've always been a Kevin Durant defender and supporter and fan is he doesn't shy away from who he is. Especially in the last few years, he caught a lot of flack from going to Golden State. Again, absent me being a Warriors fan, I thought the the pushback he got was I understood it to a certain degree. But on the other hand, it was like, I mean, we crush players for not winning rings, but then when they go pursue rings, we rip them to, to shreds. Like, you have to win a ring a certain way. Not just win the ring. That 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 was in the mindset of KD. And by the way, he fit perfect. It wasn't just about winning the ring. The, 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 the fit in Golden State was seamless. I think it's the greatest basketball team ever assembled for many reasons. We could de- deal, detail that in another show. So, Kevin, I got your back here, man, because I, I just don't see that as the knock on him. If he was bad in the locker room, if he was – like his old teammate Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie, eh, not great in the locker room. Okay, I get that. Aaron Rodgers, and eh, not that great in the locker room. I, I get that even more because he's a quarterback. You know, that's Kevin doesn't need to be that. Kevin's not a leader. Kevin's not a cancer in the team's locker room. He's there to get buckets, score a million points, play great defense, win a lot of basketball games, and hopefully put some jewelry on his finger. That's what KD's there for. He is of as much of a student of the game, as much of a basketball purist as you could possibly find in the NBA. And so for Kevin Durant, I got you, man. So for this week's edition, a little late of uh, of carving up the context, play the theme music. I was a little late on this. On this week's edition of carving up the context, Kevin Durant. Be- him not being a leader is not a bad thing. It's just not. Okay, so again, it is Wednesday. It is a pre-recorded show for Carving Up Live. A little bit of a shorter show. Again, uh, I've already got some, you know, uh, already some plans at the time of that the show would normally air, so I'm not able to do it live. So being able to put it out there, though, you know, be able to, to be consistent with the schedule for Carving Up Live. Appreciate everybody who has tuned in. I would love to answer your comments. I'm sure we, we've got comments from Twitter and from YouTube. I would love to answer them. And again, the show is not live, so I'm unable to do that. But nonetheless, I am incredibly appreciative of y'all's support. And we have surpassed, though, at the time of this recording, 755 subscribers. We've, got, we've gotten to 755 subscribers. So 
three-fourths of the way to 1,000. That's been the goal. It was the goal to get to that by Super Bowl 58. Wasn't able to happen, but nonetheless, the chase for for 1,000 subscribers certainly continues. And, say, we're close. So, 245 away. So, if you have subscribed, thank you so much. Please be sure to tell everybody you know about it. And we'll try and try and, and boost these numbers, get more support for the show, and hopefully build an even larger community on Carving It Up Live. If you have not subscribed, it takes a couple seconds. Big red subscribe button down there, and you become a part of the show. All right. So, again, talking about Kevin Durant, talking about, uh, you know, sort of the odd narrative surrounding his his leadership skills or lack thereof. Uh, I definitely had to, to come to his defense there. But, you know, before the season, if I can get these graphics ready to, to go, because, again, the streaming app I use can be at times a touch difficult with what they will, how much graph, how many graphics they'll allow you to put. Here we go. Okay, so I do a segment before the season and after the season, my top 10 quarterbacks in the league. So obviously with new data gives new information, which therefore gives me new opinions in some regards, some that I maintain because of other uh, data points that I can use. Uh, you will see that certainly for my number six quarterback in this list, certainly even, so, even potentially for my number five quarterback. But I do my top 10 quarterbacks coming into the season, exiting the season. These were my quarterbacks, my top 10 guys coming into 2023. Here it is right there from uh, July. So I had Mahomes in this order, 1 to 10. Mahomes, Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Justin Herber, and Derek Carr. I think the Carr thing aged worse than, than any of them. Even the, the, the Lawrence one wasn't. Lawrence, is the spoiler, is not going to be number three. But the Derek Carr thing, and I've always been a Derek Carr guy, and I still think the the coaching in in New Orleans is is doing him dirty. Uh, but still, not 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 one of my my better rankings uh, in my in my podcast life. No no question about that. So season's over. Let's go and do the rankings list. So if we can get the background music going right now for my top ten quarterbacks uh, right now exiting the season, going to twenty twenty four essentially. We will start, we're actually going to go in reverse. I normally start with number 10 and then go uh, go up to number one. But because number one's so obvious, it'll feel, you know, a bit anticlimactic. So we're going to start with number one. It's quite obvious. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, shocker, shocker, I have as the best quarterback in the NFL. And here's why. It's in his, I'm not going to bore you guys too long because he's got probably the greatest resume to start a career that we've ever seen. He's got two league MVPs. He's got two. He's got three Super Bowl MVPs, three Super Bowl titles. First guy to go back-to-back Super Bowl championships since Tom Brady and the Patriots did in 03 and 04. You talk about this, what this guy can, can do with his arm, with his mobility. He's incredibly accurate. He's got a monster arm. He, he's got everything, leadership qualities, A+, and was able to guide Kansas City team that outside of Travis Kelsey and I like Rasheed Rice, you know, still some development to, to, to go there. After that, a lot of guys. Mikkel Hardman, MVS, Justin Watson, like Kadarius Tony was an issue early in the season with the drops, and he still got that team to the Super Bowl because he's Patrick Mahomes. The defense certainly didn't hurt matters, but uh, Mahomes is, is simply unlike any anything we've ever seen, any quarterback we've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the National Football League. To number two, it does not change from coming into the season. At number two, it is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the second best court, excuse me, excuse me, second best quarterback in the NFL. And here's why. So Burrow got hurt in midseason this year. I still think I was not able to see another guy with respect to, to Josh Allen, to Lamar Jackson, to other guys out there. I was not able to see a guy 
ascend to that number two spot to where we know they're not in the same league as Mahomes. It's Mahomes' league. It's Mahomes' world. We're all just living in it. But it does matter that Burrow was the the last guy to, to knock off Mahomes in the playoffs. Only he and Brady, who did it twice, have done so. Allen's come up short. Lamar's come up short. You know, Trevor Lawrence has come up short. Everybody, you name it, they've come up short to Patrick Mahomes the playoffs. Andrew Luck early on came up short to, to Mahomes and, and, and his greatness. So I think in terms of the the overall thing that this guy brings to the table, his accuracy is off the charts. He's the only guy from an accuracy standpoint I would take over Mahomes. He obviously doesn't provide the playmaking ability Patrick does, but dealing with what he's dealt with with a, a bad offensive line virtually his entire very young career in Cincinnati concerns me. We've seen the injuries, uh, the injury bug really get him in the last few seasons. Can he stay healthy over the course of the season? We'll find out in 2024. Hurt, certainly for his case, even as a Steelers guy, I uh, certainly don't want to see a guy of this caliber go down. You talk about what he brings to the table in terms of leadership, this Bengals team was a dying franchise. He comes in, elevates them to a Super Bowl appearance in his first full season as a starter. Joe Burrow, the second-best quarterback in the National Football League. At number three, it ain't Trevor Lawrence like it was coming into the season. It's the MVP of the National Football League. It is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, the third-best quarterback in the National Football League, and here is why. So, Lamar's got two MVPs now. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, this one, he almost won unanimously again. How Josh Allen got an MVP vote is beyond me. Not that Josh didn't play well, but it's 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 out of my comprehension. What Lamar does as an overall playmaker with his arm, with his legs, he has always been a, a, a much better thrower from the pocket and certainly outside of it than he gets credit for. He's excellent outside the pocket. Pro football focus had him as the number one quarterback in the NFL when outside the pocket, throwing from outside the pocket. Uh, again, mobility. He didn't have the greatest rushing season relative to what we've seen in the years past and certainly from his first MVP season back in 2019. We talk about, again, leadership. Arm strength underrated, good pocket thrower, good outside the pocket. And listen, if the knock on him is he can't win the playoffs, it's a fair one. He is two and four. In fairness to him, though, I will defend him in this regard. The the game plan against Kansas City was odd at best in the AFC Championship game and curious at worst, uh, or cu- curious at best, even to a certain degree. Uh, you, listen, Kansas City did that to most of the quarterbacks that they faced, if not all of them. Uh, certainly one in the fourth quarter of the game. So uh, I'm not going to hold that too much against Lamar, but his overall playoff resume, that's a fair knock. I still love Lamar. The man wins 80% of his games. I think that should matter to, to a certain point, and doing so with... An okay wide receiving core doing so without Mark Andrews at the end of the season. Absolutely, the Ravens absolutely smacked teams at the end of uh, the regular season from, from the midway point on, from October on. Uh, and, and Lamar Jackson is is a unique talent that we haven't seen really since Michael Dick. Lamar Jackson, the third best quarterback in the National Football League, at number four, staying where he was a year ago. It is Josh Allen. Josh Allen, the fourth best quarterback in the National Football League, and here is why. So. From a physical standpoint, is about as talented of a quarterback as we've seen outside of Mahomes. Arm strength is off the charts great. I would even put him over Mahomes in that regard. Mobility, excellent. Uh, I would prefer him not to run as much as he does. Uh, but listen, Josh Allen did, did account for 44 touchdowns on the season, 29 through the air, 15 on the ground. He's one of the great dual threat guys that we've seen at the position. Accuracy has gotten steadily better as time has gone on, certainly since his rookie year when he only completed a little over 50% of his passes. But you talk about last year. Again, it was an up and down season, a little inconsistent. Bills did get hot at the end of the year. But again, it's the over 20 turnovers that Josh Allen committed. 18 interceptions, a handful of fumbles after that. And as much as I love Josh, I think he's fantastic. It's... Part of the reason I'm so, uh, I, I, at least I sound as hard as I do, uh, 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 or I sound as hard on him as I sound, is that 
the narrative that he's somehow on Patrick Mahomes' level, despite the fact that he's 0-3 against him in the playoffs and has gotten outplayed every single time, including the Classic in 2021, if you look at the numbers, is 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 mind-boggling to me. Now, you talk about a guy that gets his team to the playoffs year in and year out. You talk about a guy who, when the season looked dead, leadership skills were on display uh, in, a, in a very big way. Now, again, do I think he'll be able to break through and beat Mahomes? I don't, because the only guy I've seen do it is Burrow. And so I, I'm a guy of the belief that when you go 0-3, you lose three times to the same guy. I, I got to believe it before I see it. Uh, or I see, see it to believe it uh, in, in general with Josh Allen. But he is a remarkable talent and absolutely one of the five best quarterbacks in the world. Josh Allen, the fourth best quarterback in the National Football League. At number five, I'm going to get so much pushback for it, but I don't care. It is Dak Prescott. Rain Dakota Prescott, the fifth best quarterback in the National Football League. And here's why. So... Are we just going to ignore? Because Dak on, on last year's list, I believe, was eight uh, in my top ten. So we're just going to ignore the fact that the guy finished second for MVP, had 36 touchdown passes uh, this season, which I believe led the NFL uh, this season, was top five in pass rating, top five in completion percentage, number one in touchdown and interception ratio, and took an offense that outside of CeeDee Lamb has zero playmakers. We got it. We talk about Purdy. Oh, it's Purdy the MVP, despite having literally the single best skill position group in all of football. CD Lamb's fantastic. Brandon Cooks, there's a reason he's been traded as many times as he's been traded from the Texans and the Patriots and the Saints and the Rams all over the place. There's a reason Dallas has been his fifth or sixth stop in his 10-year career. We talk about a guy in no, uh, not Noah Brown. We talk about a guy in Michael Gallup and in Jalen Tolbert, who according to ESPN's metrics, one of the 10 worst receivers in all of football. That was Dak's number three and number four guys. Could not separate according to ESPN's metrics and frankly, according to my eye test, because I said it all season long. No running game. Offensive line was better than I thought it would be. Still not great. Um, and the defense was overrated, even by me, all season long. Dak was able to get in the playoffs. Dak would be top four if not for the horrible playoff performance against Green Bay. I do not give him any excuses in that one. He did not play well whatsoever. And the 2-5 and five playoff record is certainly fair for, for anyone to criticize. But what I would argue is that he's taken a franchise that is not close to as well run as, as some may think that is not terribly talented and year in and year out, 12 wins, 12 wins, 12 wins with below average coaching, well below average wide receiver help outside of CeeDee Lamb and a defense that you never know what you're going to get any given Sunday. Uh, so Dak Prescott carrying the Dallas Cowboys on his back. Uh, a la, I'm not going to say quite to the level LeBron carried those Cavs teams because uh, he did get them to the finals and LeBron is LeBron. But all that's to the level we've seen a lot of quarterbacks carry their franchises in the past uh, deep into the playoffs. We'll call it a step below Joe Burrow. Dak Prescott, the fifth best quarterback in the National Football League. I know I'll get more pushback for this than the Dak take because he did not finish the season well at all. At number six, it is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League here on Bryson's Best 10, and here is why. So I know you're like, Bryson, time out. The Jaguars, entering December, had an opportunity to be the number one seed in the AFC. They not only blow that, they blow the division lead to the Houston Texans and blow a playoff spot to my Pittsburgh Steelers, which I can't say I was exactly mad about. But I still put Trevor here. Uh, here's why. The talent from a from a tangible perspective is undeniable. Arm strength is awesome. Accuracy, mobility, leadership, we've seen that. He's durable. Uh, listen, the fact that he did play all the games he played at the end of the season with the ankle sprain, uh, the, the, the the high ankle sprain, which why he was even, you know, had to walk to the locker room in that game against the Bengals on a Monday night was, was a knock on the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. But you talk about a Trevor Lawrence 
who is completing almost 70% of his passes before the injury, had a 2-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, which is solid. It could improve, but solid. Uh, you talk about a Trevor Lawrence, who was a, a close to a 100 pass rating guy before the injury. Like Trevor Lawrence, who toward the end of 2022 was easily one of the three best quarterbacks of the league, was starting to continue that. Nine touchdowns in the three-game stretch before the injury, and then the injury happened. The Jaguars stupidly decided to play him, and by doing so, blew their season. Trevor only had seven touchdown passes to seven picks in the games that followed. I'm a Trevor believer. I think when you talk about a draft prospect, that's one of the greatest we've ever seen. Up there with Luck, Manning, Peyton Manning, obviously, Elway, uh, again, all of these guys, Caleb Williams, even as you know, as Caleb's in that in, in that regard. Trevor's one of the greatest talents coming into the league that I've ever seen in my life, and I have yet to, to to see a reason why I should just sell my stock at a guy who went to a horribly run franchise and year in and year out has them in position to in one year almost got them to the AFC Championship game. The second year, though, his second year with an actual coach, Doug Peterson, uh, was going to potentially be the one seed until they stupidly played him with the ankle injury. Trevor Lawrence, the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League. At number seven, one of the older guys, it is Matthew Stafford. Matt Stafford, the seventh best quarterback in the National Football League, and here is why. So I had a lot of questions about the Rams, in particular Stafford, from a health standpoint. We know he dealt with injuries toward the end of 2021 when the Rams won the Super Bowl, and all of 2022 he had some spine issues. So what was Matthew Stafford going to be in his mid-30s, he's not getting any younger. Well, what he was was a guy who led the Rams on a hot streak, got to 3-6 and six to start the season. We're all leaving the Rams for dead. Rams get hot down the stretch of the year, go 7-1. and one. Uh, Their only loss was an overtime loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Stafford was top five in virtually every statistical category in that run. We talk about a guy who's won a Super Bowl with the Rams as recently as two seasons ago, uh, or three seasons ago, rather. Monster arm. It looked like he hasn't lost a step on that. Was able to elevate guys like Puka Nakua. Uh, was able to, again, the, the pairing with him and Sean McVay is, is absolutely off the charts. And it has, has historically been one of the more clutch quarterbacks. If you look at his record in clutch games, uh, number of game when he drives at Stafford has, has, uh, has had, he's in the upper echelon. In that regard, he elevated Detroit to watchable. And then they went to unwatchable. We'll see, we see where Detroit is now. But Matthew Stafford's a guy who, once you put him in the right situation in Los Angeles, you see what he's been able to do. His first healthy season in L.A., they won the Super Bowl. Second healthy season, they lost by a point to a team that could have easily been in the Super Bowl in his former team, the Detroit Lions. Matt Stafford, the seventh-best quarterback in the National Football League, at number eight, in my opinion, the greatest rookie quarterback season we've ever seen. It is C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, the eighth-best quarterback in the National Football League, and here is why. So, you talk about somebody who, what you inherit matters. That's why I give Trevor so much more of the benefit of the doubt. He went to freaking Jacksonville. If he was going to to San Francisco and was a disaster there, that'd be different. Like Trey Lance, for example. You talk about a CJ Stroud, though. Comes out of Ohio State. Despite the measurables, big guy, relatively mobile, monster arm, and very accurate. There was the... Yeah, but Ohio State quarterbacks, I talked about this. Ohio State quarterbacks tend to not work in the NFL. And CJ said, yeah, watch this. I'm going to go to a team that had the second overall pick in the draft. It could have easily had the first overall pick. D'Amico Ryans, the, the OC they had, their slowest, solid. Both are excellent coaches, no question about that. And the Texans have drafted very well. It means nothing, though, if you don't have the quarterback. CJ, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions, and over four to one touchdown to interception ratio. Doesn't turn it over. Gives you the big play. Got the Houston Texans the playoffs uh, in the AFC South. One 
in dominant fashion over a fantastic Cleveland Browns defense that many argued might have been the best in all football outside of the Ravens. Uh, and listen, they lost to a better team. They lost to a better team than the Baltimore Ravens in the second round of the playoffs. There's no harm, no shame there. There's more expectations, though, next year. We've seen sophomore slumps. But given that this kid's overall makeup from a physical and a mental standpoint, I have no reason to believe that C.J. Stroud is going to fall off in 2024. C.J. Stroud, the eighth best quarterback in the National Football League. At number nine, maintaining his spot from a year ago, it is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, the ninth best quarterback in the National Football League, and here is why. So, I don't think there's any guy, any quarterback I'm more happy for coming into a season than Justin Herbert. You talk about a guy who's drafted by the Chargers, who, yes, are not the jokes that the Jaguars are, as mentioned earlier, or the Texans have been in the last few years prior to getting Stroud, but he inherits a franchise that my, my, my buddy Ryan Flowers, shout out to Ryan Clutch Sports Talk, my buddy Ryan has, has a term for them, right? Chargering. The Chargers are going to are gonna be the Chargers. Like, they're the, the Cowboys of the West. We, we talk about the Cowboys. Oh, the Cowboys blow all these games. Ain't nobody blows games like the LA Chargers do. Year in and year out, they just invent new ways to lose. Uh, they fire, um, afraid of the head coach's name, uh, uh, blank on the head coach, Anthony Lynn. Uh, who's a solid NFL head coach, got L.A. to the playoffs in 2018. They fire him after Justin Herbert's rookie season, and he's been relatively consistent. About, you know, high 20s, low 30s touchdown passes year in and year out. And, you know, despite horrible play calling last year from Kellen Moore, we saw what Kellen did to Dak. We saw what Kellen did to Justin Herbert. My prayers for Jalen Hurts this season in the Philadelphia Eagles. But you have the single worst head coach of football, Brandon Staley. Now you get Jim Harbaugh who's the very definition of a quarterback whisperer. Every quarterback in college he, he works with ends up playing exceptionally well. The same could be said in the NFL with guys like Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick. You're telling me that he can't take a guy with the overall talent and upside of Justin Herbert and turn him into a superstar? Which I believe he has superstar talent, no question about it. I do like the Chargers roster. Watch out for them to be a, a serious team in 2024. I was a Justin Herbert fan coming into the draft in 2020. I thought he'd end up being the best guy. That's obviously been Burrow. But uh, I, I love everything this kid brings to the table. Leadership, arm strength, accuracy, mobility, and durability. Justin Herbert, happy for you, man. You got Jim Harbaugh, ninth best quarterback in the National Football League. And at number 10, man, it was close. There's a few names I consider, but I decided to go with Jared Goff. Jared Goff, the 10th best quarterback in the National Football League, and here is why. What do you want me to do? He threw 30 touchdowns, 4,500 yards, had a pass rating near 100, and led one of the best offenses in the league to the NFC title game, which is his second in his NFL career. He's won with two different franchises, multiple different coaching staffs, and listen, as talented as this Lions offense is, and it is loaded. Um, and so you have to sort of grade in a curve there to a certain degree with Jared Goff. But this is a guy who's consistently been one of the more productive guys in the league. Uh, you know, consistently a guy who you can count on year in and year out with the Rams, with the Lions, to bare, bare minimum have you in playoff contention, if not have you, uh, you know, make, in making deep playoff runs as a whole. One of the most accurate quarterbacks, maybe the most accurate quarterback with a clean pocket. I give Burrow the edge because Burrow hasn't had very many of those and is still deadly accurate. Uh, you, you could talk about a Lions offensive line that's excellent and Goff is able to deliver in that space. He doesn't have a monster arm. He's kind of the last of a dying breed of quarterbacks, kind of like the purely pocket guys. But in general, I, I, I like a lot of the things that this guy brings to the table. The the, the knock on him again and, and the way to beat him is to get pressure on him consistently. That's with any quarterback, but especially Jared. But I, I just like his overall playoff resume. I like what he's done in the postseason. Even that NFC Championship game loss to the Niners. Well, he played very, very well in that game. It gets a very talented defense. So Jared Goff, the 10th best quarterback in the National Football 
league. There you go. So here we go. Let's let's go and put up the graphic, and we'll keep this going into. Sorry, that's my my my, my little alarm right there. Um. We will keep this going into the 2024 season because obviously nothing's going to happen between now and then that's going to change that. But I've got it. Number one, from number one to number 10, I've got Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, Allen, Dak, Lawrence, Stafford, Stroud, Herbert, and Jared Goff. So listen, I considered a lot of guys that at that number 10 spot. If I can pull up my list here on my phone. I had Jordan Love at 11th. I thought Jordan Love finished the season and looked tremendous for the Packers. I had Jalen Hurts 12th. Rodgers, 13, Cousins, 14, Brock Purdy, 15. So those are my my first five outs, so to speak. We see when they put out the college football playoff every year, who's the first two out? Well, those are my first five out. So Jordan Love, if Jordan Love puts together another season like this, no question he's going to be in the top 10 next year uh, on this very list. And by the way, don't forget the Caleb Williams factor or anybody else who could make a similar splash that C.J. Straub made this year. So there you go. I, I, I really, th- th- this is one of the most talented quarterback eras we've seen. I mean, again, a guy in Brock Purdy, who I like. Everybody thinks I hate Purdy. I, I, I dubbed him Sturdy Purdy a year and a half ago in 2022, his rookie season. But, and, and by the way, I even campaigned for him to be rookie of the year despite the limited action because I loved what he, I'd seen from him that much. But listen, when, when the Niners are not to the level they did with Jimmy Garoppolo, but with they, when they are putting him in an essentially a game manager-esque role, now, do I believe he's a game manager? I don't. I think he can make throws that most game managers cannot make. Uh, and I do believe he's going to get better. But I've seen Kirk Cousins do more with less. Uh, I've seen, you know, obviously, Aaron Rodgers. I'm still giving Aaron the benefit of the doubt. I have him 13th. Some people may think that's too low, but he is coming off an Achilles. He is 40 years old. And frankly, I don't think, I don't think this Jets roster is very good. And therefore, I don't think he'll be able to take it terribly far. Uh, at least the Jets aren't very talented, offensively speaking, outside of Garrett Wilson. But... I'll give Aaron the benefit of the doubt because his resume obviously speaks for itself. Who else I have above him? I had Jordan Love. Again, Jordan would have been in the top 10 if he hadn't melted down in the second half against the Niners the way he did. See, God, like, again, and, and people are like, oh, the Lions blew it against the, the Niners. Yes, but it wasn't a golf thing. Like, it wasn't like golf was just turning the ball over left and right. Again, the fourth down play where everybody ripped Dan Campbell to shreds, revisionist history. Jared Goff delivered an accurate throw on that play. Josh Reynolds just dropped the pass. That's why I defended the call. It was a good play call, good protection, good throw by Goff. Reynolds couldn't complete the play. It's that simple. And so, yep, there you go. And Jalen Hurts, I still believe in him. I just, and I hate the Eagles. I truly do. But I I hate for his sake that he's got Kellamore. Because Kellamore almost screwed up Dak's career, almost screwed up Herbert's career. I hope he doesn't do this for Jalen. I really don't. So there you go. That's my top 10. Megan. Well, again, I got some alarms on my phone to let me know when it's time for me to to get up out of here for you know the the reasons that I was not able to uh, do the show live. So there we go. Okay, yeah, just checking my phone, make sure there's nothing that has broken. Okay, I see. You're about to do an NBA talk before we get out of here. I see Allen Iverson's all-time starting five. He's got Steph, Kobe, MJ, LeBron, and Shaq. That's not bad. I definitely agree with the Steph, LeBron, and Shaq aspect. And Jordan as well. Here's the thing. I, I've anytime folks have done these top these all-time starting fives, or anytime that it has been a 
put they put the six players on the screen. It's usually the same guys. It's like Steph, Durant, LeBron, Shaq, Kobe, and Michael Jordan. And it's like eliminate one of those. I'm like, as much as I hate to say it, and I think he's the fourth greatest player ever, Kobe Bryant. I have to because he's just a slightly lesser version of MJ. I don't need two MJ. I, listen, same position, same game. I have Kobe fourth all time, but from a fit standpoint, I don't think he would provide the level of of um, you know, I, I don't think he fit the way that a that a KD would or a Larry Bird potentially uh, could as well in that role. Again, my all time starting five, I go Steph at point guard because LeBron can run the, the 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 duties that that Magic can, and Steph can shoot better than not just Magic but everybody else could. So I go Steph at point guard, MJ shooting guard, LeBron small forward. Probably end up going with Larry Bird at power forward just because I, I like him defensively a little bit more than Kevin Durant. Although Kevin is, like I said earlier, a very underrated defender, and I would go Shaquille O'Neal as my big man. Now, if you were going to go more of a defensive lineup, you go with Hakeem Olajuwon, but that's what I'd have. I'd have Shaq as as my big man all time because that stretch of basketball he put together, especially in those finals back in the day, were absolutely insane. Absolutely insane, no matter how you look at it. He was he was fantastic. Kobe was great, but Shaq was just on a, a different universe uh, back, in, back in the early 2000s. So there you go. All right, so I do a segment before we get out of here. Again, a little bit of a shorter show today pre-recorded show, I do a segment every year after coming out of the All-Star break. Look at the Eastern Conference, look at the Western Conference, and the teams that are in that playoff and now these days play-in type of area and see, okay, we're 50-plus games in, trade deadline's passed, we pretty much know who these teams are. Where do we rank them? Where do I rank them? And not rank them, that's a bad way to put it. Are they pretenders or, or contenders? Some of these are more black and white than others. Some are pretty cut and dry, in my opinion. Uh, hold on, if I could pull, go and pull up the, the graphic for some of these because uh, it must be stated. Hang on, Easter Conference. Again, like I said, sometimes this app that I use can be at times a bit on the um, picky side in terms of what they, how many graphics they'll let you put up there. But, okay. Got all the Eastern Conference teams. Right there. Okay, so, again, we can go and get the background music going uh, once more. Background music. Conference, And we will start with the team that made a finals a couple of years ago. Almost got to a finals last year. We will talk about the Boston Celtics. This is a pretty easy one. The Boston Celtics are contenders. It's not. I don't think it's remotely debatable. Boston right now, number one in defense. Number, uh, number one in offense. Number three in defense. I think they have the best starting five in all of basketball. Jason Tatum, I know there's been a lot of buzz for him for MVP. I think he's still got a, a, a potential shot of winning it. I think we should start putting Luka in the MVP discussion, given what he's doing. But I guess if we hold standings against you, against you which... We haven't done it historically in years past, but whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's probably ended up being Jokic as we sit here today. But Jason Tatum is, is, is a scoring extraordinaire, 30-point-per-game guy. Jalen Brown, I wish Jalen Brown would work with his left hand more. But nonetheless, good score, good defensive player. You got, obviously, Derek White. You got Al Horford. Chris has Porzingis and Drew Holiday, who I think really is the reason I had this team in the finals before the season. Don't love their bench, and I certainly don't love Joe Missoula, even though they do have Sam Cassell as an assistant, which I think has really helped Boston this year and could help them in the postseason. Not much not to like about this team. I think they're absolutely undeniably the best team in the Eastern Conference, and it would be, barring injury, an absolute disaster if the Celtics do not get to the NBA Finals. The Celtics absolutely are uh, contenders. Let's look at the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. The two seed, I think they're pretenders. I don't buy the Cavs, and here's why. So the Cavs right now are second in defense in the NBA. Okay, they're second in defense. 
but they are 16th in offense. And we know in the postseason, defense matters. No question about that. Defense wins championships. We know the cliche. But when it gets down to it in these playoff series, man, you got to get buckets. And Donovan Mitchell's capable of doing that. I don't trust anybody else to be able to do it, though. And remember last year, the Cavs, number one defensively in the National Basketball Association and got smoked by the Knicks in the first round. Smoked. What wasn't that competitive of a series. The Knicks outplayed them from start to finish. And so I, I just think that it feels like a repeat of last year for Cleveland where really talented. I think J.B. Bickerstaff's a good, solid coach. Donovan Mitchell's a guy I've defended for years. But, and again, really good defensively, a lot of length, a lot of size. I just don't know if their style of, uh, of play is going to translate to winning playoff series. So right now I have the Cavs as pretenders in uh, in the Eastern Conference. Let's look right now at the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, probably the easiest one for me, to be completely honest with you. Absolute pretenders. In every, every sense of the word, absolute pretenders. And I'll explain exactly why. So while I love Giannis and I love Dane, the fit hasn't been what we thought it'd be. Giannis has had some weird quotes as of late about how he doesn't watch a lot of basketball Outside of the games he plays, which is strange. Listen, I don't, I'm not saying you have to be a LeBron James-level student of the game, but watching League Pass, would it hurt? I think for a guy to be honest, caliber, Dame has shot one of his lowest percentages of his career from three, shooting in the in the low 30s. Uh, this Bucks bench is virtually non-existent. They have Doc Rivers now. We know the playoff history he has, and Doc is making, again, himself even weirder quotes, even more cryptic quotes about kind of blaming the players, talking about how a lot of guys for the All-Star break when they lost to the awful Grizzlies, uh, it's a parade in Masama City, I heard, uh, in, in Southern City, that a, bu a bunch of the guys' minds were in Cancun. They weren't focused. Then he was talking about, I didn't realize it'd be this hard. Really? Take it over midseason for a team you haven't coached uh, ever. Yeah, I didn't think it'd be this hard. So the Doc thing's weird. The Dame thing doesn't work. Chris Middleton is a shell of what he used to be. Giannis is still awesome. Uh, but I, I just don't see this team, uh, again, bad defensively. Really can score the basketball very well, but again, not a very good defensive team and, and hasn't been for, for the last few months. So right now, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are absolute pretenders. Moving on to the New York Knicks. I got them as contenders. I believe in the New York Knicks this season, folks. I really do. I'm a huge Jalen Brunson fan. I, like I said earlier, I think he's one of the best leaders in all of basketball. Getting Julius Randle back is going to be key. Julius Randle was an all-star this season. But Tom Thibodeau, listen, he's one of the great defensive minds in the NBA. You look at the Knicks this season, uh, they're eighth on offense, ninth on defense. So top 10 in both categories. They can lock you up. They can score on you. A lot of other options that they have on the floor. Dante DiVincenzo, a guy who played for the Warriors last season. I wish we would have been able to keep him. But he's been a, he's had a great season from a scoring standpoint this year for the Knicks. He's comfortable playing with his college teammate Jalen Brunson. Uh, and again, Tibbs the guy who, who's going to have them ready to go every playoff series in defense. The only only concern I have for the Knicks, while I do believe in those contenders, good offensive team, good defensive team, is Tibbs' teams team uh, tend to run down in the playoffs because of how hard they go out in the regular season. Kind of wear yourself down by the time we get to, to early and mid-May. I don't think that'll be ca the case with this team because they are more of a younger team. Uh, listen, Dallas regrets the regrets, regrets the day they let Jalen Brunson walk uh, to Madison Square Garden and do what he's been doing for quite a long time. So the Knicks, I do see this season as contenders. To the Philadelphia 76ers, I think it's a pretty easy one. Not as cut and dry as Milwaukee, but I think they're pretenders. Obviously, the Joel Embiid injury does not help matters. Tyrese Maxey's had a great year. I'm a big Maxey guy. And I do think Nick Nurse is a good coach. And Tobias Harris is a good three. So why don't I believe in them? For the very reason that they're struggling right now, Embiid's health and durability. 
We've seen year in and year out, and I'm, I'm perceived as a Joel Embiid hater. I think he's one of the five most productive players, productive and best, two different things in my mind, most productive players in the NBA, back-to-back scoring champion, great on the defensive side of the floor, has, has a 70-burger on his resume this season. But at the end of the day with Joel Embiid, if he doesn't perform in the playoffs, it's either just flat-out comes up small or he's hurt. This year, it looks like it's going to be the latter. It looks like it's going to be an, a, a, a nagging injury, a lingering injury that's going to hurt Embiid and therefore hurt their 76ers this season. I felt like this is a team that could potentially you know, go places, especially with the departure of James Harden and Doc Rivers. Like their coach, like Tobias, like Maxie, don't, just don't trust Embiid in the playoffs from a physical or a psychological perspective. So the Sixers, I do see this year as pretenders. For the Indiana Pacers, again, pretty easy here. I see the Pacers as pretenders. Listen, the Pacers are this season right now the uh, the second best team in offense, second in offensive rating, but they are 25th in defensive rating. They can't stop a nosebleed. They can't. I mean, even in that game in the in-season tournament final when they played the Lakers, I remember watching that game in a hotel room is they were getting virtually anything they wanted against like a Lakers team that I see a, a lot of length, a lot of size. They just couldn't stop a nosebleed. Halliburton's having a great year. I'm a big Tyrese Halliburton guy. Have been since he was in Sacramento his rookie year. But I, I still think this Pacers team needs a couple pieces. The Siakam trade, I think, was a great one. Uh, elevated them to a different level. They've got the size Miles Turner. But I just think overall, I, I think it's going to take some time for this team to mesh into a team that can seriously make some playoff runs as time goes on. Could they win a playoff series this year? Depends on the matchup. But right now, uh, they can't stop anybody. It's... It's sort of reverse of Cleveland. Like, Cleveland's not very good on offense. Pacers aren't very good on defense. That, to me, does not mix into a championship team. So the Pacers, I do see this season as pretenders. And true to form, I will never not buy in this end of this team as currently constructed. The Miami Heat are contenders. And I said so last season at the midway point when the Heat were mediocre, just like they are now. Seven seed, eight seed. Okay, not great. And I believed in the Miami Heat last year. You can look it up. When I did this very segment a year ago in 2023, I said, playoff Jimmy's a real thing. I said, Bam out of bio's excellent. I said, the bench is good. They got veterans. Eric Spolstra is the best coach in all of basketball. Wouldn't be shocked to see him go get a guy, maybe like an Otto Porter Jr. at the, in, in the buyout market if the Jazz buy out uh, OPJ. I think he would be a good fit with them. But listen, I just like what he what, what they bring, uh, you know, in every way, shape, and form on the floor. The New York, I'm sorry, the Miami Heat are contenders. For example, by the way, not for example, but for reference, they're 22nd in offense this year. Why don't you believe in them? Or why do you believe in them, Bryson? Because they were 25th in offense last year, got to the finals. You know why? Heat culture. That's why. So the Miami Heat, I absolutely do believe, are contenders uh, in the Eastern Conference. I would not be shocked to see them go on a run uh, similar to that of a year ago. Let's look at if I could pull up the, the Western Conference here. I can pull up the Western Conference because there's a lot of teams I do believe in and don't believe in uh, out there out West. We can pull it up. Okay, so I'm going to start with the... Do we have it? Okay, we'll start with the LA Clippers in the Western Conference. Uh, they're pretenders, okay? Full stop. The Los Angeles Clippers are pretenders this season. Here's why. So I don't trust Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs from a health standpoint. I don't trust James Harden in the playoffs from a production standpoint. Don't trust Russell Westbrook from a production standpoint if he's having to give the reins as the guy. Uh, I don't trust. We saw that game. He had game five against the Suns last year in the playoffs. He was horrendous. Uh, I don't trust Paul George physically in the playoffs. Love Ty Lue. Love their ability to score top five in offense and, and a solid defensive team, upper half of the league. I just don't believe that they're going to be able to make any sort of serious playoff run. So the Los Angeles Clippers are pretenders again. 
The Denver Nuggets are contenders. Back to uh, opportunity to go back to back this season. Best player in the world, Nikola Jokic. Excellent head coach, Michael Malone. Good bench. Uh, you know, good starting lineup, obviously, with with MBJ, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray. And there's not much not to like about the, how this Denver roster is constructed. No reason to believe they can't go back to back. And I certainly do believe. They are the favorites today to win the Western Conference. Denver Nuggets are contenders. Moving on to the one seed right now, Minnesota Timberwolves. They are absolutely pretenders, and I'll explain why. So they're very similar to the Cavs. Number one in defense, 17th in offense. I don't trust anybody outside of Anthony Edwards on this team. Okay, Carl Anthony Towns, unreliable in the playoffs. We've seen that in years past. Chris Finch, we've seen it year in, year in and year out. Uh, certainly a couple of years ago in that Memphis series, had some atrocious fourth quarters in terms of lack of adjustments against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. I do trust Mike Conley, but he is getting up there in age, and Rudy Gobert is going to be exposed every year like he is in the playoffs on the perimeter when other teams decide to go small. Don't mind if it's Timberwolves. Maybe they win a playoff series. I don't see them going much further than that. They're not a Western Conference Finals team. The Timberwolves are pretenders, as are the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns are pretenders. Here's why. Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, both are injury prone. Uh, Devin Booker is a guy who has been an excellent playoff performer. If you look at 2021 and last year, had some crazy shooting splits a year ago in the postseason. But again, defensively, don't trust in the Phoenix Suns this season uh, on defense, 15th, so middle of the pack, and only 10th on offense, which kind of shot me given the, the number of weapons they have. So I just don't think they're going to be able to put it together in the playoffs. Like Frank Vogel, don't love him. So Phoenix, too many questions, uh, more questions than I have answers with the Suns, so they are pretenders. The Oklahoma City Thunder are contenders. Yes, I have the OKC Thunders contenders. Here's why. I get they're young. I understand that. But SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, is getting some serious MVP bu buzz. Wouldn't be shocked if he wins it. Jalen Williams having an excellent season. Chet Holmgren. They're very uh, they're very well coached with Mark Dagnall. Uh, good defensively this season are the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sixth in defense and fourth on offense. So listen, we haven't seen this team make a playoff run. This will be a team very similar in my estimation to that, or a run similar, I, I guess you could say, to the Phoenix Suns a couple of years ago, a few years ago when they got to the finals. I like what this team brings on both sides of the floor. The Thunder are contenders. The New Orleans Pelicans, I believe, are contenders as well. This is my shock in the Western Conference. Here's why. I think, I think again, Zion's been able to stay healthy. Brandon Ingram was a bucket getter. CJ McCollum, bucket getter and good veteran leadership. Willie Green, really, really, really smart and good, motivating head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Like what he brings to the table. Uh, I, I can see the Pelicans as like a six seed that shocks a three seed LA Clippers team, catches somebody else off guard, and by the time you know it, they're in the Western Conference Finals, four wins away from a finals appearance. Really like what the Pelicans are doing this year, so I could see them right now as a championship contender which the Sacramento Kings are not. The Kings are pretenders. They're not as good as they were a year ago on offense. Defensively, a little better, but still a lot to be desired. Mike Brown, good defensive head coach. Love De'Aaron Fox. Don't find a Demonis Sabonis come playoff time. Uh, I feel like last year was their real shot. As currently constructed, they can make moves as time goes on to make a run, and Steph Curry uh, ended their season in dramatic fashion. The Kings are not contenders. The Lakers are. I, I know they're the ninth seed. I think the Lakers are contenders. They have one of the five best players in the world. His name is LeBron James. Maybe you've heard of him. They've got Anthony Davis playing defensive player of the year level basketball. Austin Reeves having a good year. Good bench, size, length, all the keys 
if healthy, and that's the key, if healthy, to make a championship run. I do have questions about Darvin Ham, but overall, I like the way this roster is constructed. One of the better ones in basketball, as far as I'm concerned. The Lakers are contenders. The Mavericks are not. Luka Doncic is a guy who's had some fantastic playoff performances, but Dallas can be a bit over-reliant on him. I don't trust Kyrie Irving outside of the, uh, the, the loving arms of LeBron James, so to speak, in the postseason. He hasn't been good in Boston, Brooklyn. We haven't seen him in a playoff game yet or his playoff series in Dallas. My guess is we'll get more of the same uh, from Kyrie Irving. Don't trust the Mavericks defensively like Jason Kidd. Don't love the roster. The Mavericks are pretenders. And my Golden State Warriors are undeniably contenders. And I've been saying it for the last week or so. The Warriors will bare minimum be in the Western Conference Finals. And here's why. Top 10 in offense, 20th in defense. However, if you look at the Golden State Warriors numbers... Uh, over the last uh, 10 games in which they've had a an 8-2 and two stretch, Warriors winning 8 of their last 10 basketball games. The Warriors have the third best defensive net rating in the Western Conference. They've been able to stop teams. They've been able to get shots at a very high clip. Number one offensive rating in the West in the last 10 games. And the third, I believe I've got this right, the third easiest schedule to end the season. So Golden State, a lot of winnable games. I have a bold prediction. They will not have to participate in the playing tournament. They'll be in the playoffs, get virtually a week off, and you just happen to have the second best player alive. His name is Steph Curry, the, one of the five best defensive players in the league, Draymond Green, a great bench, a great coach, a championship experience, championship medal. The Golden State Warriors absolutely, unequivocally, and undeniably are contenders in the Western Conference. I believe in them with every fiber of my being. The vibes are better in the locker room. Golden State contenders. With that, that is all the time here for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And of course, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. So, if you have subscribed, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Genuinely appreciate it. Um, please tell your friends about it, your family about it, and let's grow this Carving Up Life family. If you have not subscribed, just takes a couple seconds. Hit that bigger subscribe button down there, and you grow the Carving Up Live family and overall, uh, overall brand and overall content creation. So there you go. Just as importantly, be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and in everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. You can find us all live on the Grid Network. And check out my man Patrick Brown writing some great articles for the Grid Network website as well. See y'all on Friday. Stay safe out there. God bless y'all. Peace out. I won't be late for what I got to be late for. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.